This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Was my mother, and what was the last thing that went through her head? I'm pretty sure that it's like, I hope he doesn't kill Collier and Elizabeth. I'm pretty sure that is probably the last thing that went through my mother's head, which in a lot of ways is very noble. And, you know, obviously a mother wants to protect her child, but also really, really sad. Really, really sad to me because she potentially left this world not knowing. Testimony continued today in the most notorious criminal trial in Richland County history. Dr. John Boyle is accused of killing his wife, Maureen, and burying her body in the basement of his new home in Erie, Pennsylvania. The 12-year-old son finally took the stand. As I heard a scream, I heard a thud. It was about this loud. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty. When I was 12 years old, my testimony sent my father to prison for murdering my mother. This podcast serves as a type of therapy and reconciliation for myself, and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception, betrayal, and dark trauma. I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Hey, movers, welcome back to another episode of Moving Past Murder. I'm your host, Collier Landry, and what's going on? What's going on, people? It is Friday, December 2nd. That means there's there's 23 days left until Christmas. And I'll tell you something, not a decoration in sight for this podcast host, not at all. I'll probably get a tree up on the 24th if I do at all. No, maybe next week. For those of you watching on YouTube, you will see in the background some sort of festive Christmas decoration. (laughs) Uh, You know, the holidays are always really tough for me because all of my trauma is sort of centered around the holidays. Unfortunately for me, it's always at the end of the year, I get a little depressed. I get a little... ah, Depressed isn't the right word. I think it's... I get a little sad because as anyone who goes through trauma that is centered around this time of year. I don't know. The holidays just don't have that meaning to me that I think they would have had that they used to have when I was a kid, right? Before my mother was murdered and on New Year's Eve and before all that, like I think just all the leading up to it, I kind of, it all plays back in my head every year. I can't help it. No amount of therapy will ever fix that. You can't really change your memories. Uh, unfortunately. So it's in my head and, you know, I just hope to make new ones and I do have great memories too, but, you know, uh, sort of there at the, the end of when all the, the murder occurred and everything that was all just really marred and the holidays were marred because of that. And, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, (laughs) yeah. So they don't take on the meaning that I, had hoped they would take on. I don't know. I Maybe I'm blabbering on and on. I know that a lot of people go through their own stuff during the holidays and that's nothing new to anyone. You know, especially you guys, you reach out to me on the show 
and you've commented and, and I know a lot of people go through it in the holidays. And, you know, I just did my uh, gobble gobble gaslight <laughs> episode reading a Thanksgiving letter, a Thanksgiving day letter from my father with a card. And, oh, speaking of gaslighting. So <laughs> it was there, I read an article on NPR the other day that said that gaslighting is Merriam-Webster's 2022 word of the year. I guess last year it was like vaccinations um, or vaccine or something. I don't know. Uh, and this year, <laughs> gaslighting, which I guess must imply that it must be the most searched term in, on their dictionary website. I don't know. So the article says gaslighting behavior that's mind manipulating, grossly misleading, downright deceitful is Merriam-Webster's word of the year. Lookups for the word on MiriamWebster.com increased 1,740% in 2022 over the year before. But something else happened. There wasn't a single event that drove significant spikes in curiosity as it usually goes with the chosen word of the year. The gaslighting was pervasive. That is kind of, well, it's a bit of a mindfuck. <laughs> uh, I guess it's a double-edged sword for me, really, when you think about it, because... There are so many people that are becoming aware of like narcissism and narcissistic tendencies and manipulation techniques and tactics and, and gaslighting and, and things of that nature, right? And have unfortunately been either themselves or had loved ones in abusive relationships, whether it be with a parent, spouse, you know, significant other, friendship, whatever that looks like, right? Uh, so I guess it's top of mind for so many people now, which is, again, really tragic, but also really beneficial because a lot of people are recognizing these behaviors for what they are. And I know that that is something personally that comes to me when I post letters for my father or I talk about my situation. So many people, I mean, I was just on Dr. Romney's podcast a few weeks ago and we discussed this and her podcast is called Navigating Narcissism on iHeartRadio, part of Red Table Talk. If you haven't listened to those episodes with myself and Tara Newell talking about our new podcast, Survivor Squad and her her story of uh, Dirty John and John Meehan and her mother, Deborah Newell, and my story with my father and uh, his narcissism and psychopathy really is what it is. So uh, it's a great episode. You should check them out. There's two of them. These things are becoming so on, you know, they're just top of mind for everyone. I, you know, again, it's a good and a bad thing. I know you guys feel this because you reach out to me about it. So uh, I want to go to this week's listener comment question message of the week this one comes from kate on ig just regular kate c-a-t-e uh she says you're so brave collier i just watched this in the uk and could not believe what you witnessed as a young child you have the most courage i've seen i've ever seen and just to tell you i hope this next chapter of your life is filled with tons of happiness you certainly deserve it much love kate from the uk and lots of heart and uk flag union jack emojis well thank you kate so much uh i really appreciate it yeah uh i am looking forward to chapters of happiness and look i have been able to do amazing things with my life uh despite all of this and uh it, it is great and i was able to make a film about it and i'm able to make this podcast which helps people and which helps uh initiate these conversations i feel like about things like gaslighting, for example, and helps benefit you guys, my audience. And that's why I create this content. I want to give a big shout out to Brianna Klutz, who just became a member of my Patreon. Thank you so much for your support at the top tier. I really appreciate it because your support on my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Collier Landry. It's all in the show notes. 
it helps support this program. Thank you very much. Uh, so this week's episode, I want to talk about uh, TikTok questions that I get. And I respond to some of them on TikTok, but then I just have this whole slew that people ask me in videos. And I just posted a recent video of uh, my encounter with Dr. Phil and the Dr. Phil show when he says that my father is a psychopath because we are watching a murder in Mansfield and we're seeing the segment when I'm confronting my father. And uh, he's just like, this man's a psychopath. And um, I guess I always thought my father was a sociopath. And then as I mentioned, Dr. Romney earlier, we discussed that on her program, uh, what the difference is. And, and again, I'm not a psychologist. I don't even believe that the um, the Association of Psychology, whatever that is, recognizes like sociopathy and psychopathy and maybe even narcissism as disorders. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist or a medical professional. I'm just a person who's experienced all this stuff. Uh, but so I'm here not to really diagnose anyone, but Dr. Phil said that. And I guess psychopaths are calculated and i came to sort of really i'm still coming to really understand that that there's a procedure behind it and there's a flow to it and everything is very calculated and organized and i think a lot of viewers sometimes or listeners sometimes don't understand that my mother's murder was premeditated it was not an act of just um you know, a crime of passion, if you will. Uh, you know, my father lost his temper, pushed my mother, she hit her head, whatever it was. There was a very systematic <laughs> organizational flow through which all of it happened. Getting a house, asking about lowering the basement floor because he's going to prepare her crypt under there. Uh, renting a jackhammer, renting a cold storage. I mean, all of these things, setting up his own alibis, all of these things led to, we're all you know, done before she was killed. So it's very, uh, it's very shocking to me when people, <laughs> when people will say, oh, you know, it, it just, you know, do you ever think that he was just in the moment? I'm like, no, I absolutely do not think that he was in the moment. Uh, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And I think he didn't really care. And I think that is the very nature of psychopaths, which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people in the true crime world who are victims, survivors, advocates, and they advocate, they advocate for, there sometimes tends to be a very, I feel like there sometimes tends to be a glorification of these people, these killers. I mean, there's been a lot of controversy uh, over Dahmer recently, which is a Netflix series. And I think that and, I, and I've spoken about this before several times with guests and on other episodes of this podcast, but there tends to be, I think that a lot of people deify them or glorify their behavior. And, um, and that's not good. <laughs> it's most certainly not good. And it creates an obsession. I know a lot of people were obsessed with killers like John Wayne Gacy, for example, but uh, it's not good. Uh, psychopathy is a very, very bad, cold, callous, evil thing that these people do. So um, I don't know. And that leads me in actually to a question from TikTok, which came from this Dr. Phil video that I posted. So this user, uh, Natalie Zaharin. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. This is from YouTube. My bad. This actually comes from YouTube. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this actually, so this actually leads me into this next viewer question, which was on YouTube, and it's also been proposed on TikTok as well. Which leads me into this week's. Which leads me into answering questions in this week's episode. But this first question uh, that was posed to me by Nadia Zaharin says, does your dad think you're lucky that you're still alive? This is something that I think about a lot. It's really weird. And I realize that there's this sort of, when you face someone who is that big of a monster in, in a way that is so highly personal, right? The murder of your mother, right? And you hear it happen and you are in bed pretending to be asleep. And my father is peering in, looking at me and I'm like, don't look up. Something's telling me don't look up. I think a lot about this, like in that psychopathy, because I always, when I tell people the story, I, I say, you know, if I had looked up, you know, I wouldn't be here today. One million percent. If there could be so, it's really a hundred percent. You can't go higher than a hundred percent, but I would just, there's no, there's not a chance in hell that I would still be here if I had looked up because at that point, when you think about it, right. It's nothing to make the hole a little bigger. Think about that for a second. It's nothing to make the hole, the crypt that he dug underneath the basement floor of the house. It's nothing to make it a little bit bigger to throw your son in and be like, oh yeah, she left with the, you know, and God forbid my sister too. Oh, she left with the kids. I don't know what happened. Like Poor me, you know, victim narcissist, right? Because when you're dealing with someone who is a psychopath, it's all just a numbers game, right? It's, it's a, it's very, it's, it's a zero sum game for them, right? They are, it's nothing to just be like, oh, my son, like, forget it. You know, I don't care. He witnessed it. He's, he's now a threat to me. It's, it's all about if you perceive them as a threat, which is why in those later days in January, 1990, when I knew that my father was like catching on to the fact that I'm talking to police at school and giving them all this info, that's why they keep coming around the house asking questions. That, uh, you know, he was going to take me to Florida for a quote unquote medical conference, which they are only in the spring. They weren't in the dead of winter. We'd just gotten back from Christmas break, you know? So I talk about that a lot and I think about it a lot. And, you know, this is, you know, I, I was just even thinking last night, I was making some food for dinner and I was thinking about like what, and again, this kind of dovetails with the holiday thing, right? What does my sense of normal really look like to the outside world because for me like my normal is my normal right like i only know my life 
and that's it. So that to me is normal that you just deal with all this stuff. I often wonder like, what is it like to grow up with a really wonderful, happy family and everything came up roses and you got support and love and you, and you went on to college and you graduated top of your class and you had a, you got married and had this wonderful, you know, picket fence and blah, blah. And I realize that people go down those paths in life and it's not all, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side as they say, right? But I just, I don't even understand, like I don't even comprehend that in so many ways. And I've talked about this with a lot of my guests on the show that also have gone through massive trauma. But it is something that, again, it's the time of year. All these things are top of mind for me. And it's it, it just runs through my head. Like, what what would my life look like? I'm going to do a what if episode one of these days for sure, because I'm, I want to kind of play it all out in my head. Like, what would these things look like for me if, let's say, my father had gotten away with it? Or let's say that I had accepted the story that, oh, yeah, she just left. Oh, OK, thanks, Dad. That makes sense. OK, I guess we'll just carry on like normal. And unfortunately, the other thing is, is that there are some people that do experience that that are that do have parents that 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 murder the other parent or a situation that they're in and they are manipulated into thinking that that the parent just left i mean you know a couple of weeks ago i had sarah turney on this program who hosts the podcast voices for justice and she's an amazing young woman doing amazing things not only for the memory of her sister Alyssa. And justice for her, but then also, you know, helping other families of victims uh, get the word out and and make headway on their cases and bring people to justice. So it's incredible what she's doing. But she even was under the impression impression that her her sister, who was like a mother to her because she lost her mother very early, that uh, her sister just left, and then she was forced to accept that until she actually found out what really happened. And you know, that's just that's a hard road to hoe. That's for sure. But I think about that too is, you know, I'm also very grateful that I at least knew all this stuff because I can't imagine growing up and feeling that way. And and this is going to lead me into another topic because I get asked these questions all the time and I'm going to go, I have a list of questions right here in front of me, but uh, you know, people do ask me about my family and I'll just roll into it that, you know, um, Becky Friday, Becky underscore Friday on TikTok said, Hi, Collier. I hope you don't mind me asking why you didn't go to live with your mom's side of the family. Wishing you love and light always. So, hey, movers, I want to take a moment to tell you about this week's show sponsor, Skylight Frame. Now, if you guys are looking for a special gift for the holidays, for the special people in your life, you've got to check out Skylight Frame. Now, Skylight Frame is a photo frame that you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It's a great way to feel close to those you love, even when you're far apart. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug it in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network and enjoy. And sending photos to the Skylight Frame is effortless. Everyone in the family can use the app or they can email them directly to the Skylight and they'll pop up in seconds. Multiple people can send photos to the frame and it's a great way to keep large networks of friends and family in touch. It has a black frame and a white mat, so it looks like a real photo frame. I have it sitting right here next to my desk, and it is just beautiful to look at. The images are crystal clear. It's a fantastic, and it's so easy to use. That's the thing. Now, you can choose from two options of the skylight, either the original 10-inch or the new large 15-inch frame. And here's the thing about skylight frame. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like your skylight, they will offer you a full refund. How can you beat that? Now, as a special offer, 
you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code MOVING. That's right. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code MOVING. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code MOVING. I mean, for me, having the Skylight Frame, I've loaded it with a bunch of pictures from when I was growing up with my mother during the holidays because she loved Christmas so much and she used to decorate the house so beautifully. And I'm able to put those in the Skylight Frame, have it sitting right here next to me as I'm working, as I'm making this podcast and creating content for you guys. And I get to share those wonderful memories. And it's really amazing. So check out Skylight Frame. For my mother's side of the family, I very distinctly remember my Aunt Carol, who is my uh, godmother. And I don't, you know, I don't, it's really hard for me to talk about these things. I'm not here to excoriate my family and and blame or shame anyone. But this, this is the fact. <laughs> these are the facts that, yes, I had a conversation with them. And she said, we cannot take you in because you look like your father. That was literally what they said. And I know that this is a trauma response. I know that some people just can't handle things the way that I had to handle them. And that's just totally acceptable. And a lot of times I feel like in these situations when I was growing up that I was, I had to be the adult uh, for everyone in my family. And it's very, you know, um, again, I don't want to you know stir up any drama, but in a lot of ways, like, yeah, I mean, it is fucked, <laughs> but it's, it's also like, what what do you do in this situation? You're dealt a losing hand. Like you can't force someone to take care of you. You can't force someone to be in their family. I, I can't even imagine being there. And then they would look at me every day and think of my father and then treat me poorly potentially because of it. That would have been, that would have really sucked too, <laughs> because that's unfair. At least in a lot of ways, when I think about it, at least they were honest. At least I knew from jump, hey, this is how we feel. It ain't going to work out. Sorry, buddy. Good luck in foster care. <laughs> like, okay. And and to be honest, I was eventually adopted by a wonderful family, the Zigglers, and they've been amazing. And and I did have a happy ending in that way. Yeah. At least with my mother's side of the family, they were just like, hey, uh, you know, yeah, we just, we can't handle it. So at least I knew up front, right? Because I can't imagine, you know, there are many, unfortunately, there are many kids in situations that grow up, whether it be that, you know, they were, the mother was forced to have a child because they didn't have a, they didn't terminate the pregnancy or they got pregnant and they were too young or whatever it is, or whatever final family dynamic that is. I'm not here to talk about that. But what I am here to discuss is there, there, there are kids. So there are so many children that have grown up, not only in the foster care system, but have been adopted, but have also been raised by relatives that were like a pariah in their families because of something that either their their uh, parent did or or someone related to them or whatever. And you sort of wear this like knitted scarlet letter A on your on your breastplate, right? On your on your chest. And I said breastplate, really? <laughs> on your chest. And you grow up like that. And for those of you, I'm making a reference to the Scarlet Letter. It's a book. We all read it when we were growing up, at least if you went to school in the United States. I hope you did. At least it's an interesting book for sure. But anyways, they grow up in these circumstances where they are just never allowed to, to A, be themselves and B, they are judged by this. And this is also like, you know, one of the reasons why I left my small town, right, is not because I necessarily felt anyone was judging me. They just never 
I always wanted to know that whenever somebody was interacting with me, it was for the right reasons and not the wrong ones. Not because, oh, my dad murdered my mom and I'm known for that, or it was a famous case or whatever nonsense it is, right? And I think that's just part of like trying to find out who you are as an individual. I'm sorry, that was probably a really long-winded way of answering that. And maybe I didn't, but that's just sort of my that's just sort of my thoughts on the subject. Uh, so Becky Friday, thank you for posing that question. Uh, the next one comes from Wendy Zachman uh, on, again, on uh, TikTok. And it says, hi, I wanted to know if I'm really talking to you on TikTok or is there a person or persons pretending to be you? Yes, there are. Just so everyone knows, there are lots of imposter accounts on Instagram and on TikTok. I keep bringing it up to Facebook, Meta, Instagram, they say, oh no, these people, people report it. They say, oh, somebody reported the account. Oh, well, we determined that they're not violating anything, any policies. Well, they have my picture and they have my name and and that's what they're saying, who they are. And they're interacting with people saying, hey, you're a big fan. Hey, big fan. How long have I known you? How long have you been a big fan for? And some people that they contact have literally been, I've known them for 20 some years. And they're like, well, why don't you tell me how we know each other, buddy? Uh, so they know it's a scammer, but like, watch out for those. All my stuff, if you're engaging with me, it's me. Um, and if I say it's me, usually is if I'm doing the videos, but uh, just watch out. Anyways, that's enough of that nonsense. Trauma Mama Mo on TikTok wanted to know, have I ever visited him in prison? Meaning my father in prison. And uh, yes, I have visited my father um, well over a hundred and maybe even 200 times in prison since he's been incarcerated. He was incarcerated for incarcerated for almost 32 years. I have not seen him since I made the film A Murder in Mansfield. And for those of you watching on YouTube, there is a photograph over my right shoulder. And uh, that is a photograph of myself and him having a, uh, I don't know if you call it a showdown, <laughs> but we are having a conversation in prison in the film A Murder in Mansfield, which was crazy. Let me actually do this. That is me and my father sitting there in the prison in A Murder in Mansfield. So yes, there is proof that I have visited my father in prison. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. And just for fun, somebody in, whose username I could not even read, it was just a bunch of letters. They said, if you had to get rid of one fast food, what would it be? Well, the answer to that is all of them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, fast food is nasty. It's gross. Don't eat it. That's my take on that. Unless, of course, you want to come on this program and... Taco Bell, you want to give me a bunch of money? No, seriously, I fast food, not 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 good. This next question comes from Debbie Swartz 906 on TikTok. And she says, I'm confused. What did the detective say was the manner of her death? And where did he find her? Well, Debbie, so my mother was... So it's interesting because I have, <laughs> over the course of my life, I have wondered all of these things, right? And one of the things that I wondered is I was always mostly under the impression that my mother was suffocated by my father with a plastic bag over her head. And that is ultimately what ended her life. And I was okay with that for a really long time. It wasn't until I started delving into more things as I was doing the film, but also just for my own personal, uh, just for my own personal development and just sort of comprehension. Because I think when you go through something that is really as traumatic 
and as devastating as the murder of your mother by your father, that you, you have to process things in chunks. You have to come to your own sort of conclusions naturally in a way where you just are like, okay, this is what it is. Okay, I can process this much. Okay, because I processed a lot at a very young age in a very compressed amount of time. You know, my mother goes missing. My father is acting strange. I'm working with police to, to help find out what happened to her, to help and ultimately helping them lead them to the house with their amazing detective work. And uh, ultimately my father's arrested. And then, you know, then he goes to trial. I testify at trial and then it's all over within, you know, seven months, eight months. I mean, that portion of it, at least the, the verdict portion, it's, it's never over, <laughs> but I think that, uh, you know, I, I, so I processed a lot during that time period. And then I went through a period of my life where I didn't want to process any more of it, where I was like, okay, I'm good for a while with processing all of this. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool with that. I can, I can try to move on and go through adolescence and teenage years and high school and college. Like I can, I can, I, I'm good with that for a moment. And I think that it isn't, it, it, it was a lot of it is it started like as I was getting into making my film, but really a lot of it has been since I started making this podcast where I was really diving into more facts about the case, reading more letters from my father, for example, going through newspaper articles, listening to recordings of him giving interviews, talking to the judge. I mean, there's all these things that have kind of come out of nowhere, even just like the last six months of doing this show that I am still processing and I'll probably be processing for quite a while. And, but one of those things was again, finding out that my mother was not only because the autopsy had said suffoca suffocation by a plastic bag, which is why I asked my father, like, why did you put a plastic bag over her head? But then uh, there's also this element of, uh, of a secondary trauma, which is blunt force trauma to the head. And that was something I didn't know for a really long time and really didn't want to think about either. You know, I think one of the things that, that I think about quite a bit, obviously there's a lot of self-reflection in this episode, but one of the things I think a lot about is processing all this trauma and going through things like having nightmares or having dreams, seeing these horrific things, having moments where things scare me or, or I just like, I don't sleep right. Or there's these, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens as you're growing up. And as you're even as a, as a grown man now, like where you're processing these things on a daily basis and these things come back to you and it's like, Oh, okay. So now wait a minute, hold on. So the violent act that I thought ended my mother's life, which was suffocation, which was already really horrific. Now there was a hammer or an, a, a, a sharp object involved that cracked the crushed the back of her skull. And that also added to that. And is that what happened? And then of course you go through the, absolutely very logical thing of thinking like did she feel that was she where i think that is probably the number one thing that haunts me 
on so many levels is that I think about, and you know what, just to be straight up, this all really started, <laughs> this all really started bubbling to the surface a few weeks ago when I had to put my Chihuahua Blondie to sleep, who I had for almost 18 years. And again, I did an episode about it, but you know, that's almost seven years longer than I had my own mother in my life. And I was thinking about, it brought up all this stuff to the surface. And, and I was thinking about, you know, she's going to be euthanized, right? And I was concerned of her being in pain. And as I'm at the doctors and as she was, look, she wasn't in pain. And, and I would, which is why I jumped on it immediately. She'd had a stroke and a few days later she was gone, right? I wanted to make sure it was as pain-free as possible, but it made me think of like, what, and I'll talk about this on other episodes, but what, like, was my mother in any pain? Was my mother, and what was the last thing that went through her head? I'm pretty sure that it's like, I hope he doesn't kill Collier and Elizabeth. I'm pretty sure that is probably the last thing that went through my mother's head, which in a lot of ways is very noble. And, you know, obviously a mother wants to protect her child, but also really, really sad. Really, really sad to me because she potentially left this world not knowing what would happen to her children. That's a lot to think about. That's a lot to process. Oh, the holidays, aren't they fun? Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Oh, man. Sometimes all you can do is just sort of sing <laughs> and be happy and just go, hey, this is this is what we got. This is what we're working with. <laughs> this is what we're working with. Yeah, the holidays. They bring up a lot of thoughts. Uh yeah, I don't really know. This is a strange time of year for me. <laughs> but uh like I shared a lot. I'm going to elaborate on this a lot more, but it's it's pretty emotional stuff. I, I feel like I'd have to really love to talk to somebody about this. Oh, Dr. Jaffe, you're going to earn your money this next session, aren't you, buddy? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, these are the thoughts that come through my head on the holidays. And these are what I think about. And then when I read these questions and I go, oh, yeah, and it gets me into sort of a zone and I'm making these episodes of the podcast. I'm talking about all this on this content. Uh, you know, it's... um. This is, you know what, guys, this is just me. I'm just being as as brutally honest and as vulnerable as I can be, I guess. And hopefully you guys are gleaning some sort of benefit out of this. And um, because I am, I, and look, I, I really do enjoy talking about these things. And I really do share enjoy sharing this because I know it helps so many people. It really helps myself too. This is a lot. This is a, This podcast has become such a cathartic journey for me. And I thank all of you for being a part of that. So uh, until next week, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners 
just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.